Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue with our study of the book of Ephesians. Consider some of the background so that when we get to the passage in Ephesians, it will be abundantly clear. Jesus' final post-resurrection appearance is recorded in Acts chapter 1. He told the apostles not to leave Jerusalem until a certain spectacular promise was fulfilled. Please follow along with Pastor Jim as he discusses the fulfillment of that promise and its subsequent benefits in today's slice of this week's message entitled, You Have Been Brought Near. Now the next blockbuster in this series of events was the vision that God gave to Peter in Acts chapter 10. There was another Gentile who had turned to Yahweh involved in this one. Is a man named Cornelius. God gave Peter the vision. You know, remember lowering the sheep? Peter was hungry. He's waiting for lunch. God gives him in a vision the picture of the sheet with all the animals, clean and unclean on it. And he tells Peter, rise, kill, eat. And Peter says, no way. <laughs> that's, that's not on the menu of Jewish guys like me. We don't eat stuff like that. And God did it three times. Peter's trying to figure out what the significance of that is. So God arranged for Peter to meet Cornelius and his friends and his relatives. Interesting, when Peter showed up in Cornelius' home, by the way, that's a Jew in the home of a Gentile. That's a no-no, except in the gospel. Cornelius actually fell down and tried to worship Peter. Peter, for once, he got that one right. He made him get back up and said, no, um, that's not how we do things. Acts chapter 10, verse 27. Skip down to there. As he, that's Peter, talked to him, that's Cornelius, as Peter talked with him, he entered and found many people assembled. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or to visit him And yet God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. That is why I came without even raising any objection when I was sent for. So I ask, for what reason you have sent for me? Well, Cornelius explains the vision that he had that he received from the Lord. He told Peter, I called this meeting. I gathered my friends and my relatives here to hear whatever you have been commanded by the Lord to say. So get down to Acts chapter 10, verse 34. Opening his mouth, Peter finally gets to use his gift. Opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. Now stop there for a second. I want you to file that word in your memory banks as we're going to come to it again later in Hebrews uh, chapter 2. It, it's, a, it's a vivid Greek word. Now you can remember 
prosopolemia, if you want to. That's a really cool word, and I'm glad that I know well enough I can pronounce it in public and not have to giggle. It means literally to receive a face. God does not deal with people based upon what they look like, the outward appearance. God doesn't do that. The issue is the heart, not what a person looks like. Okay, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. But in every nation, ooh, that would include all the Gentiles, in every nation, the man who fears Him and does what is right is welcome to Him. The word which He has sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, He is Lord of all, you yourselves know the thing which took place throughout all Judea, starting from Galilee, after the baptism which John proclaimed. Then Peter goes on to give them a summary of the gospel, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Skip down to verse 44, chapter 10. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who were listening to the message. All the circumcised believers who came with Peter, the Jewish believers, were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God, exactly like what they had heard in uh, Acts chapter 2. Then Peter answered, Surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, can he? And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to stay on for a few days. It's kind of like, Peter, did you really mean that? You actually will stay in a home with Gentiles? And he did. That was pretty astounding. It happened in Acts chapter 2 with the first believers that were gathered. Then, boom, the church starts exploding from there. Then it spills over to the Samaritans. Then there's a little down payment in the version of the Ethiopian eunuch. And then, now it's open to the Gentiles. Well, Peter went back to Jerusalem. He told them what happened. And not surprisingly... The first reaction of the Jewish believers there was a little bit less than unbridled excitement. Acts chapter 11, verses 2 and 3. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those who were circumcised took issue with him, saying... Now, listen to what they're upset about. You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. Oh, my! You see how deep the divide was? Those dietary laws were partially to keep Israel separate from the world. It's just that they went way too far with that. Well, Peter goes on and he explains in in detail all that happened, and then the attitude changes. Chapter 11, verses 17 and 18. See, I told you this was 95% introduction. We're, We're getting near the end of the introduction. This is Peter speaking. Therefore, if God gave to them the same gift He gave to us also after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they quieted down and glorified God, saying, Well then, 
God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. It's hard to describe how big of a deal that was. It was like the Hatfields rejoicing that the McCoys are coming over for Thanksgiving dinner, unarmed. It was like the North and South resolving their conflict without a shot fired. It was as if the Jews and Palestinians decided to vacation together at the seashore down in Turkey. It was like that, but it was infinitely more than that. This is new life. This is spiritual unity in Christ. It's something only God will do. Now let's look to Ephesians. We'll just dip our toe in. But Ephesians 2, 11 through 22, while Paul is still explaining about our riches in Christ, our new life in Him, what God has done for us, he describes the unity of Jew and Gentile in the body of Christ. You see how God started doing it long before He had willing participants? He, he, he made it happen, if you will. Uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8 was not a command. It was a statement of what God was going to do. And He did. So as we're back in Ephesians, this is all about explaining who we are. And there's something unique about our passage this morning. Today we finally come to a command. I don't know there's any reason you would have noticed this, but from the beginning of Ephesians to chapter two verse, uh, through chapter 2, verse 10, there's not one single imperative, not one single command, you should do this, you must do this, I order you to do this. Well, as a matter of fact, there is a command in, in chapter 2, verse 11, and it turns out to be the only command in the first three chapters of Ephesians, because the first three chapters are all about our position in Christ. The reason this is a command is it's a command to remember something. Remember that you used to be separated from God, especially we who are Gentile believers. Now again, keep it in perspective. This is the writing of Paul. He is speaking as a Jewish Christian to a church that is predominantly Gentile. Every place he went, he would always go first to his Jewish brethren, preach the gospel, then he'd go to the Gentiles, bring those groups together, whoever had believed, and the church would grow, Jew and Gentile, one in Christ. So, in this passage, he is addressing those of us who are Gentiles. The church in Ephesus, uh, from very shortly after its beginning, was predominantly Gentile. So, numerically, he's mainly writing to Gentiles. And by the way, you know what a Gentile is. Anyone not born Jewish, if you're not Jewish by birth, you are a Gentile. I don't think we have any non-Gentiles in our fellowship. We might. Um, This is to us. Now, all that stuff that I began with, about the timelessness of the truth of God's Word, about how it transcends continents and centuries and, and, and cultures and conflicts and differences of opinion and, and even languages, that was all to make the point that this passage is going to have profound applications for us 
in our current world. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.